You're listening to the Marathon Church Podcast. We exist to build communities that love Jesus, love people, and live on purpose. To learn more about Marathon Church, visit MarathonChurch.org. We hope that this encourages you and builds your faith. Enjoy this week's message. Hey, good morning. Happy Halloween. Hey, if you're watching online, happy Halloween to you as well. Uh, I would encourage you to connect uh, with your online host, interact with us a little bit. Uh, we're so gl- glad you guys are watching today. Hey, and if, you, if you've been here the last couple of weeks or if you've been watching online uh, the last couple of Sundays, uh, you've probably been sufficiently offended. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm just like Eddie. I don't like this series. I don't like this message. Um, and I'm glad it's over today. Just being honest, I'm glad it's over today. Um, I'm going to be sarcastic today. Uh, some of you are learning that I can be very cynical, very sarcastic, so uh, just kind of who I am. Again, I don't, I don't like this message, I don't like this series, and th- this is why I don't like it. Um, I've been offended because I'm always right. <laughs> just, I'm always right. And uh, uh, so... I'm an Enneagram 9 with a strong one wing. That means I love to keep the peace. I hate confrontation. Like, I, no confrontation. I'm going to avoid it at all costs. Um, but I'm right. So if you just agree with me, no confrontations, we'll get along just fine. Everything will be great. Just agree with me, okay? Let's start with a little participation exercise. And your, your natural incl- inclination today is is going to be to not participate because you're thinking, oh, I'm at church, I have to be humble, all these things, but I, I want you to you know, play along, and if you're watching online, I just want you to type it in the chat, and you might want to throw like a laughing, crying emoji in there too if you're watching online. But uh, how many of and raise your hand, how many of you would say that you're smarter than the average person? See, I know some of you, and you are, and you're afraid to raise your hand because you're at church. Seriously, how many of you think you're smarter than the average person? Yeah, see, we do. Like, you, you think you're a better driver than everybody else. Right? You do. Um, mo- most of us think we're right on all the issues. We're, we're wrestling with all these issues in our culture, and most of us think that we're right. You would never say this out loud. You especially would never say this in church, but you think you're less sinful than most people. Wow, you guys got quiet right there. (laughs) Listen, I I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. I know that I'm right most of the time. And I'm not bragging because it's easy. It's hard being right all the time. I'm not joking. It's hard. It's hard to be right all the time because we live in a world with all these complex issues. And and a lot of people in the world, they just ain't right. I'm just being honest. I mean, if you, if you want to know, like, about theology, I, I can tell you, like, you know, how we got the Bible, and I can tell you about spiritual gifts, and I can tell you, like, why drummers, you know, probably aren't saved. Uh, but, <laughs> and, and you are, you're, you're allowed to, dis, you're, you know, you're allowed to disagree with me, but I'll show you where you're wrong. I, I can let you know that I, I have the right approach to capitalism, the Second Amendment, gender issues, and, and why you have to have a strong running game for long-term success in football. I, I'm right about these things. 
And it is, it's exhausting being right all the time. So this is what I want to do today. I want to help us all get over this idea of being offended. And I want to try and, and see if we can live in a way where we don't offend others. Now, this may be a bit challenging today, but by the end of the day, I want, to, I want us to leave encouraged that, that we can make a difference in the world because we can be over being offended. And I want us to leave today thinking we can make a difference in the world because we're not offending others. And we're going to start here today. Jesus tells this amazing story in Luke. It's recorded in Luke chapter 18. And let me just set it up for us. Jesus is surrounded by a bunch of people. Big crowd has gathered. And, and for the record, their culture then was a little bit like our culture now. Like, you know, a, a, a lot of dissension, a lot of division. Like, th- this people think, these people think they're right. These people think they're right. It's, it's like a whole thing. And, and there was a particular group of people called the Pharisees. And they were always right. They, they were right about everything. Their goal was to be right about everything. And, and, and they thought they were smarter, and they thought they were better, and they were way more religious than everybody, and they were spiritually superior to everybody. And Jesus knew they were in the crowd. And he knew that this would get their attention. It's recorded that Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. And let's just stop right there for a second and just admit that all of us at some time in our life had had great confidence in our own righteousness and scorned everyone else. We're all in this story. And two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the guy that was always right, and the other a despised tax collector. So the the Pharisee is very righteous outwardly. He wore the right clothes. He ate the right foods at all the right times. He upheld all the important rituals. He prayed out loud in public. Outwardly righteous. The tax collector, on the other hand, was seen as a lowlife. Outwardly unrighteous. A thief, a traitor, literally in their culture, the lowest of the low. Jesus went on, the Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. Cheaters and sinners and adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. Do y'all see what this guy did? I'm not like them. I'm not a cheater. I'm not a sinner. I'm not an adulterer. And I'm certainly not like him. And did you you notice that he gave God his spiritual credentials? I fast twice a week and I give my 10%. But the tax collector stood at a distance And dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, return home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Y'all, we are all 
in this story. The Pharisee saw himself as right and the tax collector as wrong. And the, the Pharisee was all about the truth. For him, it was about the truth. It was, for, it was about right and wrong. And the tax collector knew that he was at the mercy of God. He knew that he wasn't right and he needed grace. And this is the first thing we have to understand today. For us, it's all about right or wrong. But for Jesus, it's all about grace and truth. There, there's so much tension in the world today. There are people all around us that are completely convinced that they're right. And they believe the exact opposite of other people that are completely convinced that they are right. I hope you can feel the tension today, and there's going to be some tension in the room today. And there's tension in here today because as followers of Jesus, it's so easy to get caught up in our own rightness. It's easy to come at life with a sense of spiritual pride. Sometimes we think it's our job as Jesus followers to be right. And we have good intentions. I mean, we have the truth. We have the scripture. We're supposed to be right. The problem is that when somebody does something that we think is wrong, we get offended. Because we think we're right. And then we hang on to the offense, and it turns to contempt. And instead of hating what someone does, we begin to hate who they are. That is never a good place for a Jesus follower to be. Eddie told you guys this, but I'll remind you. So Facebook is where hatred lives. If you don't know, now you know. Facebook is where hatred lives. It, I mean, it's out of control, right? Facebook is, is where hatred lives. And, and I mean, every day, every day, I vow to get off Facebook. Today's the day I'm getting off of Facebook. So the other day, a friend of mine, a Christian friend of mine, on Facebook, responded to one of those poll questions. By the way, my entire feed is like poll questions. And I want to tell my friends that respond to poll questions, I'm unfriending you. Here's, here's the question that he responded to. What is one thing that you wish you could rid the world of? If you could rid the world of one thing, what would it be? And his response? Democrats. He wants all the Democrats, like, I don't know, killed or launched into space or something. And he's, I know this guy, even though he's only a Facebook friend, I don't ever see him. He's kidding, not kidding, right? He's really not kidding. Because he, he thinks the world is a better place without Democrats in it. And he doesn't care that all Democrats are people that are going to spend eternity in one or two places, either in heaven or in hell. He doesn't care. He just wants to get rid of them. Here's, here's our problem. As Jesus followers, we do have the truth. We have the scripture. 
And in fact, we know the truth, and truth is a person, and he has set us free. We know the truth, and that makes other people wrong, and we are offended by people who do wrong. So if we're not careful, we find ourselves judging everybody and everything. I'm right, and if you're not like me, if you don't think like me, then I'm offended. The Pharisee was right, and he knew it. And he wants everybody to know that he's right, and he looks down on those who are wrong. And sometimes, maybe without intending to, we do the same thing. I I mean, I'm right. That means you may be wrong. I have the right view on the issues, on the vaccine, on the economy. I'm right. But but let me tell you what is true about each one of us in this room and everyone watching online. We are all sinners. And we are all sinful. We are sinners and we are sinful. In fact, the scripture says that our hearts are desperately wicked. We don't even know how evil we are. We don't even know what we're capable of. We don't even know how bad we are. And, and, and maybe we are right about a lot. But we are so wrong. I mean, what if we're right, but we're not loving? What if, as Jesus followers, we're right, but we're rude? What what if you've been a Christian for a long time, maybe like me, for like 40 years? Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but you're still a real jerk. What if you're right, and you'd rather make a point than make a difference? Jesus was not concerned about right and wrong. Jesus was all about grace and truth. And this is what I know unequivocally. If you don't get anything else, get this today. People are not drawn to Jesus by moral or spiritual superiority. And I've been on both sides of this. In fact, I live on both sides of this. Because I do, I get a, a, a lot right in my life. I love my wife. I give my tithes and offerings. I read the Bible and I belong to a life group. I mean, I'm a pastor for goodness sake. I, I get some things right and, and some of you may be offended because I get some things right. I do get some things right, but I'm far from perfect. In fact, I probably get a lot wrong. Folks, I, I just finished binging a TV show that dropped more F-bombs than Dr. Dre and 50 Cent at a songwriting session. But it's really a good, wholesome show. And, um, and I love a good gangster movie. Like with all the killing and all the sex and all the relationships and all the like violence and all that stuff. And the Dallas Cowboys, 
and the Oklahoma Sooners and poor officiating in my golf game make me cuss under my breath. And most of the time out loud. And now I have offended the rest of you. A pastor that can sit through a show with F-bombs and will cuss at his football team or about his football team or about his golf game. Listen, I'm not perfect and you're not perfect. Only Jesus is. And this is what is crazy about Jesus. Jesus was perfect and without sin and sinful people love to be around him. Check this out. Jesus liked people that were nothing like him. And people that were nothing like Jesus liked him. And religious people were offended because Jesus hung out with prostitutes and sinners and tax collectors. I mean, a a prostitute poured expensive oil and perfume on his feet. Jesus went to the house of a man who would gouge and overcharge his own people by collecting taxes for Rome. And Rome would then turn around and enslave and oppress and punish and kill his people because they wouldn't follow their government. And then there's a woman who came to a well minding her own business and instead of finding judgment from Jesus, he offered her living water that would fill the emptiness that remained in her soul from all of her failed relationships. Jesus was perfect and without sin, and yet he never turned away from a sinner. These sinful people and broken people, they wanted to be around Jesus because he never made them feel unloved or unwanted or unworthy. And that leads us to one of the most important accounts in the scripture, because Jesus gives us a blueprint for how to build relationships and treat people. He gives us the blueprint for how to live unoffended and without offending others. And we're going to begin in verse one of John 13, because it will give us the context, and then we'll see the blueprint for living unoffended. John records that before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and to return to his father. And he had loved disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. Jesus has been faithful to do his Father's will, and now he's preparing to give his life on the cross. He had, he had loved his followers during his ministry, and he loved them to the very end. But he has one more lesson to teach them about love. And so he gets up from the dinner table that they're all sitting around, and he puts on an apron, and he kneels down, and he washes their feet. And it's shocking because that's something only a slave would do. And he loves them until the end by serving them. And they're stunned. They can't believe what's happening. And he goes back to eating and he tells them that one of them will betray him. And Judas knows that it's him. And Jesus tells him to get on with it. And Judas takes off to sell his soul for 30 pieces of silver. So it's in that context, in that setting, Jesus sitting at this table with his friends, knowing the suffering that he's about to endure on the cross. And after he washed the dirt from their feet, he says this, 
dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It's, it's a new command. It's, it's a new thing. In the context of, I'm about to die and rise from the dead and go back to the Father. In the context of, I love you to the end. In the context of, I have taken the posture of a servant and washed your feet. In that context, I'm giving you this new command, this new way to love. This is not love your neighbor as yourself. This is not be certain that you're right on all of the issues. This is not jump through all the hoops that you think make you Christian. Love each other the way that I have loved you. That's one of our core values here at Marathon. We believe in loving like Jesus. Not, not love your neighbor as yourself. Love like Jesus. Love each other this way, in this context. And this, this is how they will know that you're my follower. Th this is how they'll know. They'll know because you love like me. They, they won't know you're my disciple, you're my follower because of what you're against. They won't know because of what you boycott. They won't know because of your politics. They won't know because of your posts on Facebook. They won't know by how right you are. They won't know you're my follower because of your bumper sticker. They won't know because of your cheesy Christian t-shirt. They won't know because of the family that you were born into or even because you were baptized. They will know that you are a follower of Jesus by the way that you love. So here's the real question for us today. How do we miss it? Why don't we love like Jesus? Are we too busy being right? Are we too worried about maintaining our moral high ground? Are we too busy being mad? Are we too busy being offended? Are we just too right and too offended and too judgmental? I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but Jesus was the most right and the least judgmental. But here's the thing, and this is why we struggle. The way that Jesus loves is at times messy, inconsistent, and what we might consider unfair. When you see the way that Jesus loved, many times there's tension there. It may be confusing to some of us because there's tension, and our inclination is to try to resolve the tension. But it's not that simple, and it can't be resolved because it's messy and inconsistent and what some of us would consider to be unfair. It's a tension that we experience from time to time, and it's something that I believe we will have to deal with more and more. 
I mean, on those Sundays, when we talk about what healthy and biblical relationships look like, there's tension. When we talk about how to be good managers of all that God has entrusted to us, there is tension. When we talk about loving people that don't think like us or choose a different lifestyle than us, there is tension. Whenever we open the Bible and we see the teaching of Jesus and take it seriously, there's going to be tension. You see, because at times Jesus seems to be forgiving. And at other times he's holding people accountable. At times Jesus is harsh and at times he's kind. At times he points out the sin. At times he ignores the sin altogether. And there's this tension And it's messy and it's inconsistent and we think it's unfair. There's always tension in the teaching of Jesus and we're always tempted to try to ease the tension or resolve the tension. But if we resolve the tension or if we ease the tension, we give up something very important. Listen, this is one of the things that confused people about Jesus. Jesus was comfortable with the tension Jesus was able to minister through the tension. And sometimes it's messy and it's confusing and it's inconsistent. So what allowed Jesus to make a difference? Because it's clear he wasn't trying to make a point. He, He made a difference. What allowed Jesus to make a difference? Well, before John got to all this stuff in chapter 13, he laid it out for us in the beginning of his account of the life of Jesus. This is what loving like Jesus looks like practically. This is how you love like Jesus. He started here. He said, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word of God. God became flesh and dwelt among us. There's so much great imagery here. Jesus came and he made his home among us. Jesus camped out with us. Jesus hung out with us. He moved in with us. He lived with us. He hung out with us. John is saying that Jesus hung out with me and my friends. And he hung out with tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners. And he experienced everything that we experience. He came and lived with the sinners. You know, some of us spend most of every day trying to distance ourselves from sinners. Jesus dealt with those people. He dealt with that guy. And and here's the tension. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father and he's full of grace and truth. Jesus didn't care about right and wrong. He cared about grace and truth. Jesus was full of grace Jesus was 100% grace. He was full of grace. Grace is unfailing love. It's undeserved favor. He was full of unfailing love. He showed favor when it wasn't deserved. He was willing to dispense love and favor when it was not deserved. He was full of grace. He was 100% grace and Jesus was 100% faithful to the truth of his word and his character. He was full of truth. 
It is impossible for him to waver from his character. He he could never compromise truth as God defines it. He is 100% human and he is 100% God and he cannot do anything but truth. He is the truth. He is 100% grace and he is 100% truth. Jesus was full of grace and Jesus was full of truth. He is full of grace and he is full of truth. And see, that's where the tension is. Because to love like Jesus, we have to dispense grace and truth. See, that's the tension. See, truth means you're accountable. Grace says you're fine. Truth says you're jacked up. Grace says it's okay. Truth says you need to work on you. And grace says I love you no matter what. And and there's the tension. See, we felt this our whole life. Because some of us grew up in a home where one of our parents was all truth and one was all grace. My, My kids were not as fortunate. My boys weren't as fortunate. They grew up with all truth and all truth. Amy and I, both about the truth. See, by nature, I'm all truth. I'm right. I have the truth. When you do wrong, when you don't live up to my expectations, I want Jesus to bring the truth. I'm all about the truth. But when I do wrong, when I don't live up to my own expectations, much less God's, I want Jesus to bring the love and the grace. When you mess up, I get offended and angry and judgmental. And when I mess up, I want grace and love and mercy and forgiveness. And you may live the same thing. When somebody offends you, it's all truth. They ain't right. But when you offend somebody, you want grace. To live unoffended, I have to love like Jesus loves. To love like Jesus loves, I have to live with grace and truth. Now, I can't be full of grace and truth because I'm not Jesus. I can't be full of grace and truth. But I can try to balance it. I can try to love like Jesus. I can try to balance grace and truth. And to live with grace and truth, I can't be concerned with being right. And to live with grace and truth, I can't be offended when somebody disagrees with me. And again, here's the tension. At times, your your relationship will require you to speak the truth in love. And I hate it. I want to keep the peace. I don't want to speak the truth into your life, but sometimes that's what love requires. And sometimes... I just need to dispense grace. 
I'm never going to make a difference by being right. And I cannot make a difference if I'm angry and offended. My best chance to make a difference in this world is to love like Jesus, full of grace and truth. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so amazed at the grace and mercy that you have displayed to us. You you have sent your very own son to pay the penalty for our sin, to rise again, to give us a life worth living, a, a life where we can make a difference. And we ask, Father, that your Holy Spirit would move in today that you would move into our hearts, that you would take over our hearts and that we would begin to love like Jesus. That for those of us that that lean toward truth, that we would try to live with grace. And those of us that lean into grace, that we would try to live with some truth as well. Father, we don't don't want to be about right and wrong anymore. We want to be people that are full of grace and truth so that we might make much of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message and made a decision to follow Jesus, be sure to let us know by connecting with us online at MarathonChurch.org. If you haven't already, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience more messages, videos, and live gatherings, visit us at MarathonChurch.org or download the Marathon Church app. Thanks for listening to the Marathon Church Podcast.